Hello and welcome to Red Shirts. I'm your host, Jake Donaldson, and I'm joined as ever by my co-hosts, Maddie Wrath of Khan Church House and Nathan Grapes of Wrath Thomas. <laughs> Without further ado, let's engage. <laughs> That was the uh, that was the second draft of uh, of the original intro, which was originally going to be um, it was going to be Muddy Wrath of Khan Church House and Nathan Ra Ra Wrath Beauty and Russia of the Love and Queen <laughs> Lover of the Russian oh, that's Queen. That's so much better though. <laughs> oh, I'm so. Do you want me to re-record it then? No, 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 no. no we we will leave your inadequacies in. We've got to, we've got I, to have some of them not edited like- out. I like that it was relevant as well because it was because your your girlfriend is Russian, so you are a lover of a Russian queen in a way. Hey. So, and uh. <laughs> um, this week we're looking at an episode from back in the seventies. Yay! Uh, uh, we, we're looking at this is the only the second episode that we've ever done from the animated series, the original Star Trek animated series from nineteen seventy three. Uh, we looked at episode one, the original pilot episode of that. It's called Beyond the Farthest Star, uh, which I have issues with grammatically, but we'll get onto that later. Um, <laughs> but before we get too much into it, Nathan, do you want to uh, run us through the uh, the plot in your panted style? Uh, yeah, well, they, they, these are only short, so it's going to be a quick run-through. Um, cool. So, Captain Kirk informs us that we are on a really boring mission to do some star <laughs> charting. <laughs> but it soon turns out the, the Enterprise won't answer helm and is speeding up. Um, reverse course has no effect. We are heading towards some kind of imploded negative matter star, and they're still falling towards it. Uhura detects a signal. They are able to level off, but they can't escape. The signal turns out to be some weird pod stan- uh, strandy things. Clearly damaged. It's apparently been in orbit for 300 million years. Well, we best go investigate that while Scotty prepares a slingshot maneuver to uh, get us out of here. Um, the cells of the ship seem to be designed in an insect design. In fact, the entire ship seems to be biologically designed and woven. And the pods were burst open from the inside. Uh, The ship is still functional to some extent as the crew continue to investigate and marvel at the whole thing and McCoy is uh, creeped out by feeling that he is being watched. Uh, Spock uses logic to kibosh that. Um, (laughs) The crew get themselves trapped, the phases are drained of power and no signals come out so the men boldly begin uh, exploring the central control system. Seems there was an effort to shield this room specifically. Soon they set off the strobe lighting, and it's some kind of repeating message. Uh, turns out the aliens decided to destroy their ship uh, to stop some kind of malevolent life form. Anyway, the shielded room starts to explode, and the tran- crew are transported away. I mean, they absolutely should have died in those explosions as depicted, but never mind. <laughs> um, something came aboard, and uh, the green glowy light escapes into the Enterprise systems. Automatic bridge defense is prepared, and everyone is fine, but the alien is here. Kirk orders Scotty to arm self-destruct in case they need to do the same thing as uh, their predecessors. Uh, Decks 5 and 6 lose life supports, alarms blare, and Bones has to go to engineering section. Uh, Scotty has to do a thing with a cutter beam or something, and he's 
Creed. Uh, soon the Enterprise uh, phases are fired without permission uh, and destroy the alien starship. Everything goes crazy and the alien is taking control. Kirk makes a small shield around the navigation console to stop him hijacking it. Um, the alien starts to talk and takes the entire memory back. So the alien uses the bridge phases to hurt Spock, so Kirk starts to obey him. Um, he places light, the life support belt on the navigation uh, control um, and orders Scotty to repair the damaged warp drive. Spock and Kirk come up with a plan that requires a manual calculation of that uh, uh, slingshot jump we talked about earlier, and the alien demands to go to the center of the universe. The ship drops out of warp, falls towards the bed, uh, dead planet, threatening to destroy it. The alien um, escapes to the planet, screaming at the uh, Enterprise crew to obey him. The slingshot occurs and the alien um, uh, remains stuck on the planet. The alien calls out in loneliness, but James T. Kirk gives no shits and wants to get on with his <laughs> star charting mission. <laughs> Thank you, Nathan. Nathan. That is the least enthusiastic I've ever heard you about the plot of an episode. (laughs) I just... I didn't... Enjoy it? To quote, quote, yeah. To quote Jake Donaldson. It was a bit boring, really. come on! I loved this episode. I genuinely thought it was so beautifully made. And it had that gorgeous sense of, like, classic Star Trek nostalgia. And, like mid-century sci-fi that I just thought it was beautiful. I really, really enjoyed it. There was... I just I just found it... Yeah, I just didn't get that from it. I mean, <laughs> the thing that really pisses me off with this episode is it's like the captain's log at the start and end are the exact same, which just feels to me like Kurt going like, yeah, we don't know one cares about this. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, mission, star charting, captain's log, mission, star charting. It's like, you're not. You're leaving quite a lot out there. Um. <laughs> it, I really like this episode as well, Maddie. I thought it was Correct. quite fun, and like, I think you know, I haven't watched much of the animated series apart from the episode that we did uh, uh, about twenty episodes back or so when we did um, Lorelei Signal, which was which bonkers. Was, it was bonkers and ridiculous, and I was expecting this to be bonkers and ridiculous as well. But this was actually a serviceable. Star Trek story, I think. Like, yeah, it, I yeah. think this this could have been expanded and turned into a full Definitely. like live action episode if they wanted to. Um, I think this is where the I think that reason though is perhaps one of the problems I had with it because I felt like because it's a shorter animated thing, they rushed through what is otherwise a perfectly serviceable Star Trek plot, and I would have much preferred to see this in a long traditional Star Trek several act structure where it's like mm. you have the opening thing and then the type you know of them fall and then the titles and then it's resolved and then yeah. you find the thing and well then, the, well then explore you, the ship. Well then you should watch Booby Trap from uh, Star Trek The Next Generation because it's basically the same plot. You should watch uh, any of 12 <laughs> episodes from TOS that are basically the same plot. But the yeah, reason yeah that- because all TOS episodes are the same. Yeah. Plot. So why do you why do you like that? Oh, you're gonna have to defend that because <laughs> that because let me tell you something about this episode that could not have been done in TOS if it wasn't the animated series, and that is the stunningly beautiful design of the abandoned three hundred million year old alien spaceship that they find floating around this dead star. Like that was absolutely gorgeous. It was very um. 
very Nausicaa Valley of the Wind. I don't know if you guys have seen that old 80s Ghibli movie, but um, it, it's kind of like organic and it has all these sort of branching arches and trees. And it was very much kind of like, yeah, it's like Nausicaa Valley of the Wind crossed with the inside of David Tennant's TARDIS. That's, that's how it was. <laughs> and, it, and I'm like, first of all, they couldn't have done that on the live action show. They just couldn't. I just thought the... Every scene that was inside that spaceship, I just thought was so eerie and beautiful with these just massive monolithic, like, chthonic structures that, yeah, I just thought that was gorgeous. And I was I was a little bit disappointed that in their 60s minds or whatever, they couldn't then imagine that the control hub of the ship would maintain that kind of same organic, like, yeah. like growth of the systems. It's kind of like they almost go through a door and it's like they've come out of the avatar spirit world and gone into like atom punk or something because they can't imagine a bridge actually just being also that same organic structure which was a little bit of a shame but overall i just i loved it and like the 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 exploded pods and like the weird you know metal that was spun out of fibers and all of the sort of hexagonal honeycomb designs i loved that yeah i think it was a really cool design for the for the time as well like it was like there was a lot there was a lot of stuff I liked, like I did like that. I I totally agree about that thing. I just maybe it was the mood I'm in. I don't know. It just didn't make that much impact on me, and I just kind of thought like, no, oh, that was very okay. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> you know. But like, like I didn't like, hate it. Yeah. Like this is the thing. I I often feel bad for the average episodes on this podcast because the really good episodes we get really enthused about, and then the really shit episodes we have great fun tearing <laughs> apart. This I just sort of think is like, yeah, it's okay, which means it's technically better than, say, Sub Rosa. But I guarantee you, if you ask me in a year's time, okay, you did these two episodes, what what were they about? I will struggle to remember this episode and I will be able to tell you everything that happens in Sub Rosa. I'm not going yeah. to easily forget what that starship looked like. Like, that's left a really haunting impression on my mind. And I also don't think I'm going to forget the alien crying out how lonely it is as they that was amazing. fly away from that, the, was... that was devastating. I actually yeah. felt like I actually felt fucking horrendous as oh my god, that was so sad. Like just being alone for three hundred million years in space, like you probably get desperate and evil too. Oh awful. Yeah. I mean I yeah, I felt very uh I felt very akin to that alien at the end when it was alone for 300 million years and it was getting left alone again and i was like oh god yeah that's like that's this if i'd watched that when i was 16 years old i'd have been like yeah me and you alien where it's me and you against the world one of those teenagers were you yeah that's what you were a little prick yeah no one understands me you see i was just an arrogant git (laughs) (laughs) as a teenager i i I, I gone was... through my face of being bullied and told I wouldn't amount to anything. Then I was uh, realised I was top of the class in basically everything, and therefore I decided I was basically god among men, and it didn't matter what all the cool kids thought. Of me. <laughs> uh, um, I I found uh, my old live journal account from when <gasps> I was a teenager, um, and I, I hang on, I'll try and find it, and I'll uh, I'll read out some of the things that <laughs> that were on it because I was. You think you were arrogant as a teenager? <laughs> Oh my god, was, I think yeah, the, difference, forward to this. the difference between okay. my Bebo account and Jake's live journal account is going to be so enormous because my Bebo, like, I, I saved it before Bebo shut down forever. Um, and I just, like, I, it's it's unbearable. The things that I've, it's literally just pages and pages about how I saw this one hot guy in, like, a shop 
So then I like developed an enormous crush on him. And it's just me talking about how I'm like ca- trying to catch his eye every time I go into this shop to like try on ski trousers. <laughs> I mean, it's just awful. And then it's like me like religiously going through every single person I can think of and like talking about how much I fancy them and how romantically compatible they are. And that like everyone, I mean, literally from like Chewbacca to Alex Pettifer, like there's no discrimination. <laughs> those were the, the those were the Alex two Pet- big crushes when we were when we were teenagers, <laughs> Maddie. It was Alex, it was Alex Pettifer and Wookies. and Chewbacca. Yeah, well, they had very similar hairdos. Yeah, true. <laughs> Alex Pettifer is hot, though. He so is sure. hot. Um, <laughs> what? What? And Chewbacca isn't. Hot, sorry, Chewbacca over Alex Pettifer every time. Are you not? Nah, t- are you telling nah, me that? Chewbacca's not my type of man. Found my live journal, right? So this give you an example of of the kind of kid that I was. Uh, so this is uh, March seventh, two thousand and eight. So I'd have been about fifteen or sixteen. Um, just to give you an idea of the kind of kid I was, by the way, my uh, live journal name uh, was named after a uh, Nickelback song. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> so I'm called Someday Somehow, uh, and this is not no this is an entry that you. I wrote. I know this is an entry I wrote about work experience, right? Uh, it's it's titled Experience in Work, right? This is the kind of uh, awful, awful, awful teenager I was. Um, this week I've been on work experience I did it at Northumbria University Law School it was really interesting and I learned a lot but that's the boring educational bit my fave part of the week was going into first year and postgrad lecturers on law and being smarter than the students brackets (laughs) brackets, and sometimes even the lecturers not mentioning any names TS, I don't know who TS was but apparently a law lecturer at Northumbria University that I thought I was better than when I was 16 That's Uh, that's amazing but anyway Another good bit was being able to watch the students wandering around looking like complete Burks when they realised that they had been relocated to a new lecture theatre. They wander around scratching their heads, grunting things that sound vaguely like, um, where's the big room with all the seats in it gone? Brackets, bless them, they aren't that bright. <laughs> That's amazing. I love the I love the confidence. Like, the confidence it's is sky awful. high. Uh most of the girls were quite nice and the staff were kind, apart from the cleaners who complained about everything from the fact that there were too many young people in a university to the fact that cakes shouldn't be made with wholemeal flour. I enjoyed my week very much, but I missed seeing my friends for the week. I hope they had a good time as well. Um, to be <laughs> honest, then, it sounds like then your the... work experience is more successful than mine. Yeah, keep going. But can I can I just tell you what the tags that I used in this were? Oh, right? yeah. So you, you oh, come on. You used to tag your live journal yeah, things. Yeah, for those no like Gen it. Z listeners who don't know yeah. what live journal is, listen so up was, to your elders yeah. as they teach you. Live journal was basically like Twitter if you were allowed to do more than 180 characters. But it's. Uh, <laughs> it was a blogging yeah. site. It was a blogging site, so, yeah. I mean, it's still good. To... It was exactly as hellish. I say yeah. it, um, it still is. It still the, is. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's still there. Yeah, you can go and find this if you want to. Um, but the you used to put tags what was in that it. Blog? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's someday somehow spelled S U M D A Y S U M H O W. I know. Um, my profile picture is uh, a cool looking fencing guy uh, um, because I used to do fencing and I thought it looked cool if I. Uh, but pictures of me fencing always looked really rubbish. So I stole one off the internet of someone who looked like fit and attractive. <laughs> so so um, you have the confidence to say you're better than the law lecturers, but not the confidence to should put an actual picture of yourself on. Yeah. <laughs> the tags that I used were 
friends, politics, uni, work, and fat cleaners. <laughs> God. 16-year-old fat phobic Jake is so cancelled. I know, I hate him. He's terrible. <laughs> Look, I'd my, him my just for work the... experience when I was 16 was at HarperCollins Children's Publishers. I'm still so mortified by this. And at the end of the week, they had all of the like shelves with their um, arcs, like their their um, their un unregistered proof copies that you you can get before a book's actually been published, so that like reviewers can can read it. Um, and they had like shelves just full of them, and I'd like seen a couple and at the end they were like oh yeah just you know take take whatever books you want and i was like really okay <laughs> so i walked out of harper collins in the middle of london <laughs> like a bag lady carrying five supermarket plastic bags full of so many books that i could barely get them back to kilburn on the tube and like they never invited me back <laughs> And I, to this day, I have still not managed to read my way through all of the books that I stole. I'm so embarrassed. When, um, uh, there is one, one phase in my teenage existence that I quite liked, which was when I was in sixth form, because I met a cool group of friends that I'm still friends with now, and they, they let me be a nerd without feeling self-conscious about it, and, you know, I feel like, um... There is a straight line between meeting these people and this podcast. So, <laughs> you know, my uh, me when I was a teenager, when I was about eighteen, um, me and my ex girlfriend used to every week we would watch uh, University Challenge together, and it, our but we we only Calipatorian. <laughs> I've got a. T- I, I know that mum, mum, you, you <laughs> me and you were different teenagers, Jake. Hapax but there are like five or six. Harpax, <laughs> Mo- fuck, I can't remember it. Harpax Legonomenon. Oh, fuck um, off! <laughs> <laughs> and you've got to say it like that as well. He's got you've got to do Hapax the little bit. Harpax Legonomenon. But me, it's like that kid in that we- vine, Iridosaclitis. <laughs> <laughs> um, you you are correct, Jake, that we were different teenagers, but I'm thinking of like three or four of my friends that you definitely were. Like, <laughs> I was the the sort of the cool one of the uncool people. Um, yeah, well, that's what you well, that's what teenage you thought. Yeah, as yeah, yeah. See, teenage yeah. you had a high opinion of himself. <laughs> teenage me had a higher opinion of himself than one he was ever due to have, and two than I do currently of oh, myself. Same, same. Yeah, <laughs> but, Teenage um, Me was like very confident at how excellent and like yeah. um, brilliant I was. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. Before we get back to Star Trek, I will just uh, tell this story. I um I used to watch uh, University Challenge with my ex girlfriend when we were in sixth form, um and we would it, it was on on a Monday and then we'd watch it on iPlayer on the Tuesday when I went round to her house, um and so we we had an agreement that we wouldn't watch it until Tuesday. Uh, but I would always watch it when it went out on Monday and memorize oh, the answers. Oh, you bastard! <laughs> <laughs> and then when we watched together, I would pretend that I just knew all the answers, even though I'd heard them the day before. So she thought what? I was this kind of like absolute genius level, like eighteen-year-old who was going to make it big on the on the university challenge. When actually, when he went you, to university, you were actually, acting I was like just you, a you, cheat. You were acting like you were her pack non kid from Keith yeah. College, but actually, you were fucking James McAvoy in Start of the Ten or whatever that <laughs> film is, where he cheats his way through it. Yeah, well, that's like my the other 
quiz show related trick me and my cousins played on our grandma was to she would always have the chase on itv plus one when she um served tea for us so we watched it on itv once and then said that we would be a team while eating our <laughs> Uh, I did it, and obviously we knew what the Excellent. <laughs> I mean, the the moral of the story though is uh, that cheating pays off because I did end up qualifying for the Leeds University University Challenge team when I went to uni. So uh, <laughs> you know, fuck How you guys. How many quizzes have you been on? I've been I've been on two. I didn't get to the final round of uh, University Challenge because I wasn't actually a student at Leeds University when I applied. Um, I <laughs> what I. I, I, no, you're going to have to explain that. Because <laughs> so, it has just occurred to me you didn't go to Leeds. So I, I went to Leeds Metropolitan, and despite my continued requests, they refused to put up a team for University Challenge because they said that they didn't want to embarrass the university. Hey! Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's bad. That's bad when the university's writing the punchline to the joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, embarrassing, um, that is. Yeah, and but I I used to hang out with a lot of people who went to Leeds Uni at the same time, and like I lived with those people, and like all the because Leeds uh, Leeds Met didn't have a comedy society, so I used to hang out with the comedy people from uh, from Leeds Uni uh, in their sort of um, student union bar and everything. And one night we were there, and they held like a sort of open access quiz type thing. Um, to determine who would be on the shortlist for people that they would put onto their team uh, for University Challenge. And so I entered it because I was there that day um, and I got through to the next round and I went to the next bit where they did like a closed audition thing where we did some more quiz type questions and stuff from the show. Um, And then I got to the point where they were like, yeah, we'd like you to be a reserve on the final team that goes to the to the studio uh, and at that point I felt like I had to sort of say to them like actually I'm, I'm not really a student at this I'm university from Met. Uh, yeah and then I mean for a start that like because I felt a bit conflicted because part of me was like oh I feel really bad that I've let these people like that I, no. you know, down and you I've continued like... on like this but then yeah the other part of me was like yeah you thought that I was this idiot from Leeds Metropolitan you thought all Leeds Met students were stupid idiots yeah, who, it'd be who like just the final... study it'd media be like, or whatever like yes Jake of... you sure showed them didn't it, it was, like I, the felt like, I felt like Pretty Woman it was great it would be like, <laughs> like the end you know, of St. When... Trinian's when St. Trinian's beat that other school at the quiz well like the end of every flipping thing where the, the, yeah. school, the dumb <laughs> shits like beat the other like beat the posh school at the quiz that could have been you we do have to get back to star trek but i want to tell my version of this story which is slightly more wholesome but i do know it will make maddie mad so okay, you know on, um so uh i i went to durham uni um from a working class background and i'm the first person in my family to go to uni that's why they shot and... your accent out the back by the chemical chef oh absolutely that yeah no that that is that is a big reason why i sound posh um because i didn't but um, one of the things I did to help get to Durham, because that was, like, one of, like, I don't know when it started, but I really got, like, tunnel vision, I need to go to Durham University from alarmingly young. Like, I don't know why I decided on Durham. I don't, like, because it, it didn't even matter. I didn't even, I knew that I wanted to go to Durham before I knew what course I wanted to go to. Um, so, like, we love you know, that that's how focused I was. Education. Go, Nathan. (laughs) But um, there was a Russell Group summer school scheme that I managed to get on and go for a week. You stayed in one of the colleges at Durham and did a thing in the department. I did English. And 
it guaranteed you an offer. And I was quite nervous that they wouldn't even, like, consider me. I probably was over, like, stating, but that's the kind of anxiety you get when you come from my background and you're trying to get to that kind of institution, is you just Mm -hmm. assume they're going to be incredibly biased. Mm -hmm. The whole summer school was a brilliant experience. I'd, like, advocate it to anyone in my position. Anyone that can go on that thing, you should go. It's great. But the next... New school term started because obviously we did it in kind of like the last weeks of the summer holidays. And the new school term started, I was like on the bus and my uh, best friend had started dating a total privileged twat. (laughs) And she was, because, so my my college hadn't realised these summer schools were available until me and another guy from Greenhead went on them. So... They then, immediately afterwards, because they opened pretty much, like, during that first term, they put an advert out, you know, after having heard about it from me and heard that we were going, because part of the application process was a reference from from the college. They wanted more students who had similar backgrounds to access it, so they put a you know, email, advertised it around. And the privileged twat girlfriend um, was talking about how she didn't think this was fair because it was giving advantage to, you know, people not of her background and stuff because she'd been to a private school and that automatically disqualified you from this particular Oh one. my yeah. god, I hope she gets hit by a fucking It gets train. worse, no, it gets worse. <laughs> it gets worse, Maddie, because then she said, and this, coming from a working class single parent background, is where I lost my shit. Uh, is when she said, um, I just don't see why the people whose um, parents don't work should get an advantage over me whose parents do work really hard. (laughs) And then I said this, because I happen to know her GCSE results. I said, no, you know, I went on one of those things, and the first uh, reason you can't go is that you don't have five A stars. (laughs) (laughs) It really um, annoys me when people uh, think yeah. things like that. When but people like, like she didn't, she didn't get the grades I did. That was the first thing that disqualified you. You did have to have some talent. Yeah, <laughs> like just because you're you parents... had to not be an idiot. Yeah, just because your parents worked hard doesn't mean that you don't have to. It's stupid. Yeah, and also stupid. like it wasn't even like her parents were. What she meant by that is parents were wealthy. Yeah, like you know. And therefore, like, they like pay for my private tutoring and put enormous amounts of time and effort to sustain my grades, despite my like determined like attitude to tanking them, despite my private education. Like so many yeah, people got, I know who are like she that. got like not bad grades, but disappointing yeah, for the, the school she went to. Money and funneled time. down her throat. Jesus Christ! Yeah, yeah, and you know she wasn't a total idiot. Like you know. Um, yeah, yeah. God, I, like I said, it was a story that would make bad. Yeah, well, it makes me really angry because I went to a private all girls school, and like just a worrying number of people in in who went to school with me had that same attitude, and were like, "Oh, we're no different from everyone else." I'm like, "What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Yeah. You are. We are yeah. literally like one of the like top five most privileged percent of people in the country. Like, oh, I'm sure, like." You know, I'm just here because I work hard and my grades would be just as good anywhere else. No, they wouldn't, you utter fuckwit. Like, you, <laughs> you utter fucking fuckwit. Like, have some res- yeah. goddamn respect like, for the opportunity but- and the privilege that you've been given. Stop pretending like you're like everyone else. That Like, nothing makes me angrier best- than, than people 
My... Who, who pretend that they're normal when try and like sweep that kind of financial privilege under the carpet. Yeah, because my best like hard evidence of the difference is one of the girls I was at this summer school with, who went to a different uni in the end, but um, I've kept in touch. She was, you know, clever, like way, I don't know whether naturally or whether she just worked harder, but way cleverer than I was at the time. Um, and, you know, just generally, like, she could insightfully analyse plays and theatre and get the message out of them, and we would study in English, which was quite an important skill. Um, like, no one I've ever seen. I've literally never seen someone able to watch something and on first watch get amazing insight out of it. But she was going to a, very, a failing state school, and because she was their brightest pupil doing really well, what the state school did, which you would never happen in a private school, is throw her onto general studies and critical thinking and a bunch of other A-levels so that their grades would be up. Mm. They entered her for more A-levels than they could teach her because, despite the fact that might potentially hurt her university prospects, it would drag their grades up and probably mean that they weren't in a failing uh, category. Mm. And, like, you know, that's where that's where you get the, like, private... Um, state school divide I think like you know private schools can give you resits they can cancel <laughs> exams and do what's best for, for their students they have small class sizes they schools... can be flexible yeah the... oh Jesus Christ yeah educational we... inequality in this country makes me want to scream it's so unfair should we talk about Star anyway, Trek Star Trek. Hey, <laughs> Star Trek oh my god so I really want to talk about the black hole science in this episode, which I absolutely love. So there, this, the Enterprise has come across this object that they're calling a dead star. Um, and then Mr. Spock's like, I can only refer to what's happening as hypergravity, Captain. And they, they, you know, they get trapped in the gravity well of this like enormous gravitational pull of this, what they're calling a dead star. And like, it blows my mind because... So much cosmology and, and astrophysics shit has like happened within our lifetimes that it's only like as an adult that I'm starting to realise like, holy shit, all of this stuff is really new because we kind of grew up with it. But, you know, I remember a time when as a little kid, there was still controversy around whether the universe was going to end in like a big crunch or a big yawn. And, you know, acceleration would go on forever and, and those kind of questions. And it like, it's wild to me that this is, this episode was created like within five years of neutron stars being discovered by Jocelyn Bell, mm. who mm. should have won a Nobel Prize and never did. Um, and they have imagined this dead star, like along like the, the theoretical lines of black holes, which hadn't been technically discovered yet and had only just been kind of were like this bonkers theory and then the way that they visualized it is like it just looks like a moon like it doesn't yeah. even it doesn't look like anything it doesn't look like how you'd imagine a neutron star it doesn't look like how i as a child would have imagined a black hole before people started coming up with these visualizations that actually are what we now know that they look like like i i just think that's so interesting that like space science is really progressing at a really remarkable rate and there's just so many cool things in the universe. I just love that that's just so... that this was how they imagined it being. It's very, very cool. I I really like the um, the use of the, 
the slingshot technique thing, yes. that, you know, the the piloting technique, because that's a genuine thing that that uh, NASA have used to send things into uh, like further space, like they they slingshot things around Mars and stuff like that, and around Jupiter and, and stuff. As far as I understand, anyway, um, to get like probes out of the solar system and things like that. But like, and they're using this yeah, now. Yeah, well, that's even how they it, sent like men to the moon. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Like, and in Star Trek, you use it for time travel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's not a joke. That so is how cool. they time travel. In, yeah, in Star and like Trek quite if a lot. to to insert in like stuff into Mars orbit, you've got to like slingshot it around Venus and like weird shit like that. I don't know. There's like all sorts of cool stuff you can do. <laughs> Yeah, clever, clever people do it. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of maths involved. Let the club imagine, scientists but... do it. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, but but like the fact that they're using that in what is essentially, you know, they they're using real uh, space. T- uh, well, I guess um, technology in a way, uh, and and real physics in a in a show that is essentially a children's Saturday morning cartoon show, because that's w- mm. when this episode was originally broadcast. It was a Saturday morning show at 10.30 in the morning. Um, oh, right. and, but So it, it, you could argue it's educational as well, I suppose. But, well, yeah, like, they're using such cool science concepts. Like, you know, they're, they're introducing these amazing ideas, like this 300-million-year-old civilization, these... You know that 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 ship designed from organic metal that's been woven. Yeah, like you know, slingshotting your spaceship around a what's kind of like a neutron star. Um, yeah, like even having a neutron star slash black hole, whatever it kind of is. They, you know, it's never they don't know what it is, so they've never really. You yeah. know, they don't clarify it. But that's uh, yeah, it's really really cool. I love it. it. I love the fact that as well for a show that's. I don't know whether it's aimed at children, but it was certainly on in the mornings on a Saturday. So you would assume they they were kind of they had children in mind when they were making it. Um, but they don't sort of talk down or anything like that. Mm. Uh, in you know that it's quite it's quite a, a kind of intense story for for that time and for that audience. You know the the ending where the where the aliens like no don't leave me alone and then Kirk just fucks off and it's like yeah we don't care about that dick we're gonna leave him alone to to die which is Kirk's entire thing right like if you think about what he does to that, he does that to Khan he does that to the people who lived on the, the the planet that when you know when Khan in Wrath of Khan that we talked about last week when he transports the um, the crew of the ship that he steals into on back onto the planet and then no one ever deals with them ever again and then that he just fucks off like they kirk, do it all the time <laughs> kirk just leaves people behind all Tried the time to do it to gary mitchell look how that went down and <laughs> um, and like the, he's the uh, the third underrated mitchell brother um, <laughs> but but yeah, I, but I, I really like the fact that it reminds me of the cartoons that I watched when I was a teenager and when I was younger that were a lot more kind of serious and like it reminds me of the um, uh, the nineteen nineties X Men cartoon, the animated series, um, mm. which is still my favourite thing ever, and I love it so much. And if uh, and at some point, me and Maddie are going to do a, a separate podcast that's just about <laughs> X Men. But um, oh, I love the X Men like, so much. But the fact that it, um, the fact that it, it sort of was about it, it took real world issues and uh, and real serious points and made them exciting and accessible for children. And I think as the first episode of Star Trek, the uh, the, the animated series, this had the, uh, the this was trying to set it set out its stall as that kind of show, like uh, a show that's 
that takes itself seriously and is going to be similar to the the original live action series, but it's going to be accessible and is going to have like a, a sort of a moral side to it in some way. Um, and I, I think it sort of does that. I don't think it necessarily manages to get away with exactly that, but I, I do think it does a good job of. Uh, of introducing the series to uh, audiences. This is also seven years after the original series is finished as well. So, in fact, this was broadcast exactly... This this episode was first broadcast to the day, seven years after the original broadcast of the first episode of the original series. Um, so, I, I, like, it, it is introducing new people to it as well. It's It's got to introduce new people to Star Trek as well as keep up the uh, sort of ideals and expectations from the original series for the fans that it had in that meantime because obviously it wasn't popular when it first went out but over those seven years it, it got these new fans and, and i think it does a decent job i it think got it does really, a lovely uh, job i think considering that it's made in the 70s yeah. it feels like it could have been made in the early 90s to me yeah like yeah. it it i'm always so shocked when i realize just how old the animated series is it's just it's just lovely it's like it's not I, I, can, I can kind of see what Nathan's point is around. There's something about it where I feel like I could just put this on and it could send me to sleep, but not out of boredom, just out of the pleasure of just watching it and just enjoying it and just being like, oh, yes. it's, just ni- it's just nice. It's just really nice. <laughs> it's face. like an ASMR series. It's, yeah. It's, <laughs> like, just, just, it's like Higgy. It makes you feel, it just makes you feel warm just, and cozy. Yeah, it does. It makes me feel warm and cozy. And I, I love that the, the art is very deft in how they've, like, not for every character, but especially for like, <laughs> Jim, Bones, and Spock. They've, like, really deftly, just with a couple of lines, they've got, like, DeForest Kelly's eye bags and, like, <laughs> Nimoy's nose. And they've, and, and just in, like, you know, a couple of lines, they've, they've, like, caricatured the most, like, prominent aspects of those people's faces, and they're just instantly recognizable. I love it. I. I love that the shape of the uh, of the Starfleet badges that they're all wearing just changes from scene to scene. They Does it? <laughs> the, the artists have just gone, yeah, it's sort of something spiky. It looks a bit spiky. <laughs> like spiky. one per- it, Sometimes they look normal. Sometimes they look like giant triangles that are like the size of their chest. So they've got oh symbols goodness, on yes. them. Sometimes they don't. Like it, they've just like got no interest in uh, trying to. <laughs> trying oh my to goodness, that's so true. I've just googled. I've just Googled the animated series and even just on the first set of Google searches, yeah, it looks like someone's had a load of stickers and they've been like throwing them at them like, and you get a badge, and you get a badge, and they've just like landed well, haphazardly. Well, in, in Deep Space Nine, um, they they upgrade, so they made costumes for um, the Star Trek Next Gen movies and Deep Space Nine upgrades into those. But in the first episodes, and these are like the, uh, Jake will know what I mean, so they're like the black and grey, but with the um, shirt colour, yes. the collar underneath the like yes. jacket. But So you know how those uniforms have like a grey shoulder patch and then the yeah. black section, and you wear the badge here? Yes. Well, like, there is the... Deep Space Nine filmed their episodes that so they knew would probably come out around or after the film with those uniforms before... 
filming had wrapped and they knew what those uniforms were supposed to look like. As a result, there is a season of Deep Space Nine where no one wears their uniform properly. <laughs> and the favourite mistake is, for some reason, Ben Sisko puts his badge on his shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll see if I can find a picture. Edgy, Hang on. edgy Sisko. Um, but it, 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 that is not necessarily just animation sometimes. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's just personal choice. Live action yeah. thing. Can I mention my favourite, my new favourite character in the animated series? Um, yeah. Who? <laughs> Sorry, I just can't stop. It's the three armed man. It's <laughs> left handed Kyle. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, he, he was going to be my. Uh, oh my, my goodness! He's it's my vote. Like, he's my vote for the person who tried to suck his own cock. In oh, one hundred percent. So, like in the original. Oh, series, the mustache dude. Yeah, yeah. mustachio dude. So, in the original series, he like mans the transporters from time to time. Like he's he's in quite a few original series episodes, including Space Seed. Um, and he's like this sort of handsome blonde man, but then <laughs> he's the one that like Khan just like knocks out with a tiny neck pinch in Spacey. Oh um, yes, like at the transport pad, and he just like collapses. And <laughs> true to form, in this episode, <laughs> left-handed Kyle is like he's he. <laughs> oh my goodness, he. So he's like a really he looks exactly like Harry Mudd. I have no <laughs> idea does, why, yeah. but he's like a jolly Batman yeah. with like a curly yeah. whirly mustache that covers up most of his well, face. Um, and then from... and then he's like Scotty's like, Have you got it, Mr. Kyle? And he's like, Yes sir, right on. And I'm like, who is this guy? like why is he being so yeah. like more enthusiastic he... than everyone else? And then Spock like literally like shoves him out of the way like <laughs> knocks him out of the way on his way to the transport and it's like it's so good he, he looks he looks like well he... relevant to to our last um uh, our last conversation he actually appears in rap of god does oh, he right. uh, oh. yeah he's the communications officer uss reliant um so he's the person calling captain terrell in oh that, right uh, and uh chekhov in that um that scene <laughs> he, in, um, in... He's in this episode because it's, it's the same actor as played him in uh, TOS, and he, oh, he's called Commander right. Kyle. And, yeah. In in this yes, episode, that's my favorite. The, the, sorry, I've uh, just found it. My favorite line is when Mister Sulu's Sulu's on the Sulu has the con, um, and then Sulu they, he transport them back in, and Sulu's like, "Good work, Mister Kyle. I thought we'd lost them." And then he's like, "Piece of cake, sir." <laughs> <laughs> I think because he because the mustache is so ridiculous, he looks like yes. it looks it looks like he's in a disguise, right? It does, but it does. My, my headcanon for this episode is that um, the the ship is actually incredibly understaffed, but because of an issue that uh, he's he he's accidentally transported half of the the staff out of the ship and can't get them back again. So in in order to try and hide the fact that he's destroyed half of the the complement of the ship he is just <laughs> running around trying to like wearing different disguises in different situations to try and like trick everyone into thinking that everyone's still there so this mustache is just like mustachioed version of, of a guy and he's like yeah no i'm not the guy who uh, who you saw in the mess earlier definitely not because that guy didn't have a mustache uh, <laughs> that would be so good like well Kim he's Kirk's voiced like... by james he's voiced by james Doohan, who plays yeah, Scotty. So... oh really and this is one of my one of the best things about the original the animated series is how they can't afford actors. So half the Enterprise, like <laughs> they pay. I mean, notably, they don't pay for Chekhov. Yeah, yeah Chekhov is just now this replaced with an alien that doesn't have any lines. <laughs> uh, he does, but he is voiced by a different. Uh, I think again, James Doohan. Um, but they they 
basically all the major actors of the uh, of the original series have to do double duty across the episodes voicing other <laughs> randomness because they can't afford the salaries of all the actors. My, that's, my theory. Fa- that's amazing then. Because <clears throat> Lieutenant Kyle, can you just imagine, like, Kirk's like, transporter room, are you ready? And Lieutenant's like, yep. We're all ready, sir. Yes, sir. We're also ready. <laughs> yes, sir. We're ready in the transporter room. <laughs> it's yeah. <laughs> it's like in the Simpsons. Then, uh, sorry, Lieutenant, like Lieutenant Kyle. Is everything okay down there? Yes, sir. <clears throat> I mean, yes, yes, Kirk. <laughs> it's me, Ensign Michaels, and me, Lieutenant Kyle. <laughs> I like the, he's got to do a sort of like uh, Mrs. Doubtfire style scene when uh, whenever whenever <laughs> Kirk wants to talk to them all at once, he's got to keep going oh like, God. oh, sorry, I've got to go and find him. Yeah, I'll just go and get him from the other oh room. God. And then like, he comes back in like half a costume and he's accidentally one, forgotten to put his wig on or something. Maybe that's why like he's always in the transporter room. He's like, oh, yes, no, I'll beam them here. I'll just set the thing and we'll swap places. <laughs> and it's be- and like all it does is beam yeah. clothes onto him. <laughs> yeah, I like Maddie's or, idea that he's just wearing one of those costumes. That's sideways. like, yeah, ha- <laughs> half of his body is. Like Two Face. Like a drag king, like <laughs> half and half. <laughs> oh, um, oh. <laughs> yeah, he's. <laughs> Lieutenant Kyle. <laughs> Lieutenant Kyle's my new favourite character in all of Star <laughs> Trek, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would watch a series that was just about Lieutenant Kyle trying to... Uh, <laughs> and his wacky adventures. Yeah. Running around, like put, like ripping off his moustache and putting on sunglasses. Like like at the start of Spy Kids when she's like walking <laughs> past them people and like her hair changes. Like whacking on a wig and some high heels as he runs down the corridor. <laughs> Like yeah. ducking into a closet, ducking back out, and he's like ripped his top off to reveal the yeah. dress underneath. That's actually where the trend in TNG for uh, male officers wearing female uniform comes in. It, it that's was actually just like all Kyle, by... like on a dress change. That's not. That's yeah. just him. Like he forgotten to change his outfit completely. <laughs> Love it. Oh. Can we talk about the? Um... The weird belts that they have that mm, keep them alive yes. outside of. Oh, you mean saving the animation budget that would be required to draw spacesuits? Yeah, <laughs> really? Is that it. what it is for? Like, oh, it so must have been that. Yeah. <laughs> sneaky, yeah. sneaky. This, this is the exact. This is the same kind of thing as transporters. It's like it's cheaper to draw a glowing outline round round them than it is to put them in spacesuits. And obviously, in the original series, the exact opposite problem was had, which is why in live action, they use fuck tons of spacesuits all the time, including our favourite rocket thruster band. (laughs) And... uh, and then in then in like animated series, it's all like glowy effects. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that... I love the glowy effects. Like he's been outlined in a highlighter, like a pastel highlighter. When yeah. Something bad happens. It looks like someone's photoshopping him out of like yes. like they've just cut around him and they're <laughs> trying to get rid of him from the episode. And they and it's like they walk out, they beam onto the like the outer hull of the ship first. Like, those belts are amazing. <laughs> like, they, they presumably, they give you oxygen, they give you gravity, they allow you to survive everything in a vacuum. And you can also use them to sabotage navigation consoles randomly. Yeah, yeah and, I wish and I they, could, yeah, do that they, with my belt. And they protect you from harm as well, because there's that scene yeah. where Scotty's trapped in the, uh, is it Scotty or yeah. is it, uh, yeah. Yeah, Scotty's, like, getting locked, Scotty's, like, what even is it? The warp core is somehow shot on top of Scotty. Yeah, it's like a sort of this. It, this throws back to the last episode of uh, 
of the of the animated series that we looked at where they hid in an urn where like, yes. there has to be some element of every animated series episode where one or more of the characters gets stuck in some kind of receptacle and can't get out because <laughs> Scotty sort of like there's there's like some kind of big pot with a sort of a lid that's a kind of shell. Yeah, like a, a, like a massive blusher <laughs> pack like a compact a yeah like a compact. yeah it's like a, <laughs> it's like i mean and yeah i was gonna say a, i was gonna say a clam but sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> a compact mirror um but yeah it's like a sort of like a big kind of hinged lid that comes down and scotty for some reason was in there in the first place i don't know why um <laughs> and then he tries to get out but it closes on him and he's got this magic belt on for some reason even though he's in the, the in the warp room uh, like it's not like he needs it for any reason but he's got it on and, well. and he seems to man- mag- magically turn it on in time for it to save his life because it creates a force field that stops the thing from crushing him um like so apparently it's like this force field is strong enough to like protect you from being crushed by this giant heavy warp core lid so presumably it's also like bulletproof and like uh stab proof and all sorts so why don't they just constantly wear them all the time whenever they go anywhere yeah. Like, it, 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 if they've got yeah. that technology, why are they ever scared of anything? Yeah. Yeah, well, in Star Trek Online, you you have a personal force field as an excuse for a health bar. It's, <laughs> uh, like, and, 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 it, and it pretty much looks like this effect. Like, you get shot, and then there's, like, a glow. It's blue, but, like, a shield outline any time you're hit. Yeah. I love it. Um, that makes me very happy. It's pretty hilarious when a Klingon hits you with a bat left as well, and that's just, <laughs> like, the shield comes up. <laughs> Very cool, yeah. My other favourite thing about the animation in this episode is <laughs> the slow-mo running and the slow-mo, like, falls. <laughs> so when the evil alien um, takes control of the Enterprise and zaps Kirk, Kirk, like, very slowly is like, no, and, like, topples to the floor. And then you see Spock, like, turn around and then, I don't know, I guess the animation budget just, they could only do, like, I don't know, two frames a second or something <laughs> because Spock, like, does the slowest. And you know that he's speed running because his fists are, like, pumping, but they're pumping at this glacial pace as he, like, runs towards Jim. <laughs> like, everything's so... Like, the reaction times are awful. It's like everyone in the Enterprise is drunk because their reaction times are so slow. But they're all, they're, they're under really hypergravity, Maddie. Maybe that's why they're so slow. Of course, maybe it's, it's dragging them down. Yeah, maybe it's actually hyper-realistic, this, this animation. Ooh. Yeah. I also thought it was a bit strange, like, the this alien, this ancient magnetic being that's just as like a magnetic pulse, why was its voice like? <laughs> Why was its voice, its voice canine was... from Doctor Who? <laughs> yes, its voice was like every mid, like every Star Trek, like TOS Star Trek kind of robotic non-human villain when they were kind of like, oh well, this alien must sound kind of like what we would imagine a uh, robot or computer to sound like, even though we don't have robots or computers that can speak yet, uh, what would they sound like? I know, they would speak like this, so yeah. it's going to speak like this, and this is how every alien will talk that is somehow not a human or organic life form. Yeah, like, this this alien is trying to, like, order them around, and it's, like, threatening to kill them, and it's supposedly all-powerful. Yeah, exactly, it shouts things like, obey me, obey me, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but, like, but it's... Sounds it sa- like your life journal. <laughs> <laughs> very good um, but like but it's like the least threatening sounding voice ever like it's it sounds so much like you know like the, it sounds like everyone who did 
drama at GCSE in my school, right? Like it, it's it's just it's very like I don't know. It, it's just this nasal. Sort of, yeah, it's this nasal kind tinny, of like tinny and nasal, like n- non-masculine kind of like. I don't know. It's kind of like in a high register. It's sort of nasal. It's tinny and it's plummy all at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It's terrible. And it's just not. It's just not intimidating. It's just not. It sounds like yeah. if you were to play a Freddie Mercury song too fast on on a vinyl, so that it sounds really high pitched. <laughs> like that's what it sounds. Like a really why, high pitch. Look. Why Freddie Mercury? Look, I'll, I'll be compl- I'll be completely honest. It's because I was looking at a Queen album that I've got on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at no. the front cover of Hot. Why Freddie Mercury and not Sexy Vulcan Liam Gallagher? Oh my God, we haven't talked about these. You forgot now. Obey me, and after all, you have to obey me. You're my wonder wall. Obey me now. <laughs> I've still got a recording of uh, Maddie singing from one of our first episodes that I ex- I extracted oh. for, because I for future well, mischief I just thought we that like, I, I could do with that audio isolate is Newbile Klingon George Michael that I've got. Oh isolated, my god, actually. we haven't spoken about Newbile Klingon George Michael. Well, it... or like Shaggable Romulan film Collins. It's so long. Well, look, it's so long. Look, I forgot all I... about Shaggable Romulan Phil Collins. My true love. Here's what I propose then, because this episode. It's coming a little bit shorter than normal because I imagine Nathan will edit out a bit of the uh, the stuff in the middle where we just didn't talk about Star Trek for half an hour. <laughs> but, yeah, not all yeah, of not it, all of it because we need um, an episode to release. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's the issue with doing the animated series is because they're so short episodes. We don't have a lot to. We talk. should have done. We should have done yeah, two episodes but, like we did with Lower Decks. But yeah, we well, in our defence, in our defence, Laurel I Signal was so batshit yeah. bonkers that we could have talked about it for two hours. So I genuinely expected us. <laughs> to have that much yes. content but i enjoyed this so much that i would love to do in the near future a double bill of two more episodes of the yeah definitely series, and then we'll do that in a single episode. yeah i would love that as well and also listeners get in touch if you liked the uh the sort of bit where we where we didn't talk about star trek as much like if you would like to hear <laughs> if you'd like to hear more non-star trek content from us as well we let us know and we can definitely add that in um i mean it would be slightly insulting if uh, the listeners to this now long-running star trek podcast got in touch with us and said actually could we have less of the star trek content please because that's not as good then it's only slightly can I, can insulting I, can i segue into a promotion <laughs> oh yeah do you want to promote your new project yeah uh, i do because it'll well it'll probably come out before this episode and you will have probably heard pre-recorded bits uh, on the previous two episodes but uh, i am doing a, a second podcast Woo! so don't ask me to do third. um but that that podcast is called roll for shenanigans uh, me and my friend aj both run role-playing games we meet up each week, we give each other a story about what happened on our role-playing games, and try and strategize how we're going to deal with our players this week. Um, usually giving people who might want to run role-playing games or play role-playing games advice about how you might want to do so, because it's an ever-increasing popular hobby. Because someone called Matthew Mercer decided that he could stream his home game, and he happens to be a voice <laughs> actor. Um, but, you know, um, yeah, if that sounds like the kind of thing you want, search Roll for Shenanigans and all the places you can get this, because it's me distributing it, so it, it will be everywhere. Uh, find my Twitter, find the our Twitter. Um, I think they'll be coming out on Fridays. Uh, the first episode is due tomorrow as I'm recording this, I think. So, 
Yeah, it'll be well, out. There you go. Definitely check out that because it sounds really good. Um, I'm definitely going to be listening to it. Um, and uh, I'm sure that you'll hear more about that in the future. And uh, it, I, I'm, I'm absolutely certain it will be just as good, if not better, than this pile of shit that we do. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Excuse my, me, this podcast is very good. I, I genuinely, podcast- I listened back to the other day and I was like, we're actually quite good at our jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan does an excellent job of doing 90% of the legwork for the podcast and then me and Jake ruin it as much as we can when we're actually on air. Yeah. Well, I felt I felt like a massive idiot sitting on this like call for 10 or 15 minutes just like, oh, it looks like people are ready. I'll I'll put a link up and I just stayed on just like here being like I wonder if they're both in this call and can't I'm so see sorry, Nathan. I, I was desperately shoving pizza in my face, like, quick, quick. I, I, I often okay. feel... It's, I had nowhere to be. I often it's feel fine. like me and Maddie are the, uh, the sort of the ghosts to Nathan's Pac-Man. Like, <laughs> like, he wouldn't exist without us, but like we are just getting in his way all the time. <laughs> my last point is that... Um, if you like Uhura, you should watch this episode because Uhura actually gets way more to do in this episode than she does in the average episode of the original series, which is very sad <laughs> as a fact, but good for this episode. Yeah. Do you think uh, Nichelle Nichols gets paid for the scenes that Uhura does something where she doesn't say anything as well? I fucking well hope so. Like, even though she's not involved in any of them, but because her likeness is there, I feel like she should get paid. The ones paid. where she's just per- pressing a finger to her ear and looking <laughs> fabulous and slightly concerned. Yeah. Like, swiv- swiveling on her chair, like, Captain, Captain, I'm picking up a subspace reading. Captain, there's a frequency signal. <laughs> well, I think that's the end of, of the episode, then. That's all that we've got to say for this. It's been really fun. Um, uh, get in touch with us if you want at, uh, at RedShirtsCast on Instagram and on Twitter, or you can email us redshirtscast at gmail.com. Go and uh, find Nathan's new podcast, Roll for Shenanigans. You can find that uh, uh, wherever you find this podcast. Um, and uh, stick with us next week. I think, we, I'm not sure exactly, but next week might be when we do uh, our first episode on uh, on Into Darkness, possibly. But if not, it might be something else. Uh, and it, it, whatever it'll be, it'll be absolutely wonderful. Uh, so now to sing us out uh, is Nubal Klingon George Michael. Yeah. Um, so this is Newball Klingon George Michael um, singing from the POV of Vogue slash Ash Tyler from Star Trek Discovery. <clears throat> Just preparing myself. I think there's something you should know, Michael, it's time I told you so. There's something deep inside of me, turns out it's Vogue I'm meant to be. Rewrote my Klingon DNA, took on this filthy human name. I don't expect you to understand, but wearing Tyler's skin does not make me a man. (laughs) All we have to do now is join our houses and smash them through stuff before <laughs> we have to see is Klingon supremacy starts with Klingon unity yeah yeah Kalash the unforgettable Kalash we serve under his light Kalash fire up the beacon and remain Klingon congratulations thank you thank you live long and prosper goodbye um, bye Bye, everyone.